As revolutionaries, we don't have the right to say we are tired of explaining. We must never stop explaining. We know that when the people understand, they cannot help but follow us. Thomas Sankara. We were just talking about this before we started recording, but we think, uh, and this is not just because we're leftist media people, although I'm sure it colors our perceptions, but we think what we have just seen last night and Super Tuesday is a testament to the desperate need for more leftist media and more people listening to leftist media. You know, we saw this narrative that was pushed by the media where Biden is the only electable candidate and, you know, Bernie Sanders is old and impotent and irrelevant. Take purchase. And that narrative and that narrative only exists because the media has been pushing it. If we were looking at the numbers before Super Tuesday, they didn't reflect that. If we were looking at the way people were organizing on the ground, that didn't reflect that. But what we have seen is this false narrative that has been pushed until it became true. You know, it's the tail wagging the dog. Absolutely. And like, I mean, I know it sounds really idealistic to say this, but we created this podcast to make the media that we wanted to see or hear. Um, you know, like we felt like maybe, you know, our voices weren't really being represented enough. And maybe a lot of people that we knew weren't feeling represented as well, and that we could create a platform to do something about that. And there have been times when I personally have wondered, oh, does the world really need another lefty podcast? The answer is clearly yes. I mean, <laughs> like, we're just... Because, uh, because we're not going to... The people that have been through this political cycle and that have been rooting for Bernie, they're not just going to go vote for Joe Biden and go back to watching MSNBC and talking about Rachel Maddow fawning over Biden's chances. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I think that is probably a very good time to say, hello, everybody. You're listening to Not Safe for Wonks. We are, in a word, grumpy about last night, which was March 10th, uh, Super Tuesday, the sequel, and unfortunately, a pretty hard loss for Sanders and the Sanders team. I mean, we are putting this out right away. So actually, for once, you don't need to specify the date. Well, like, I'm assuming really... that somebody might hypothetically listen to this later than today. Oh, please. Come on. When we blow up, you know, and that's going to come sometime this year, there will be someone from Vox who is paid to listen to all the episodes to look for like a way to cancel us. So someone will listen. So hi, Vox. How are you? Hi, Vox. Joke's on you. My fetish is being canceled. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am doing a heckin' self-care. I'm uh, drinking mimosas, telling people I told you so. I've got a date book for Saturday Night Live. It's going to be awesome. I'm you fucking I'm opportunist. I'm doing a heckin' self-care. Monster. <laughs> Brandon, I want a divorce. How many times can we get divorced? I don't know the upper limit on that, but you are pushing me to find out. <laughs> it's like the fourth time this year. It's only like March. This, pod <laughs> this podcast really has eroded y'all's relationship. <laughs> I feel like we've done you to a disservice. We used to have such a healthy marriage, Brandon, and now you don't even live here. Quiet, Rebecca. Uh, not wow! So you called me by your <laughs> other woman's name again. <laughs> not your safe for once. Your other woman. Not safe for wonks. Now that politics is over, we're a divorce court. <laughs> that actually <laughs> might, hey, look, might get some views. Think about it.
You know what, though, Leah? Politics is not over. It's not over. Elections are not the beginning of politics. Elections are one of the endpoints of politics. I know. When when I say politics, I mean capital P politics of the electoralist variety. Um, I do love that nobody so far in this episode has done a here's how Bernie can still win. Um, No. No one has done. Oh, because that shit was cringe when people were doing it in sixteen, and it's still cringe now. Like, I believe, I believe we absolutely need to keep fighting. I believe we need to go out. We need to vote in the primary if you still have that chance. You need to push through as best as you can. We do not need to lay down and die on this. We need to go down swinging, but I think we're gonna lose. Okay, hold on. I know it's. I thought we were gonna lose the whole time. So I know it's it's a little easier. I know it's cringe, but we shouldn't be hopeless. Here's how Tulsi can still win. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's, there's someone on GabbardsGunShow.com that's working on that as we speak as an article. Um, uh, like, I've seen a lot of people from the Green Party getting really haughty, too. Like, well, if you don't vote Green Party, I don't know what's wrong with you. And I'm like, yeah, but the Green Party in Georgia just literally signed off on a statement saying that women are only biological women. So, like, I don't really want to mm, fuck with them. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And the same reason I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden, I'm not voting for the Green Party because they don't reflect my values. And in fact, some of the things they reflect are things I find morally abhorrent. Just just as much as Joe Biden doesn't uh, doesn't own my vote or I don't owe him my vote, the Green Party also, I don't owe my vote. Correct. I also just want to say, we'll probably, I, I think I want to do a whole episode about tactical voting a little closer to the general. Um, we can and all like, yell about PSL, Green Party, Biden, yeah, all that. We can kind of have like a full roundtable debate okay. about it and sort of give, let me, give the let audience me do... some different options. But for sure. today, today, let's just talk about like okay. the state of things. All right. Well, right I, now, let's go back to where I was because I do want to point out how like ridiculous the Warren people were for like two weeks of she's electable if you fucking vote for her. Like, let's not do oh, I'm glad that we're not doing that. He's electable if you fucking vote for him. Oh, um, these God, debates no. are coming up. And look, if you are being paid by Bernie Sanders, like by all means, go out there and like you have to act like it's at 100 percent until it's at zero percent. And that's fine. But but, like we've all seen Bernie debate. Um, He's never had a knockout debate performance in his entire career. The best performance he ever had was that one night. It would take Biden sundowning and saying the N word live on stage in the debate for his chances to to be seriously threatened. Oh, no, he's going to do that in the Biden-Trump debates. Yes, exactly. He's going to do it when he's against Trump. Here's my question. Uh, Will Cory Booker and Kamala Harris still support him after he does that? Yes. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to get too far off of my original point, but, you know, Elizabeth Warren, in her book, she wrote, uh, I think it was Jamie Dimon sat down with her and, and was like, listen, you can be an insider or an outsider. And if you're an outsider, you can say whatever you want, um, but nobody's going to like actually do what you want. If you're an insider, rule one is don't attack other insiders. So the inside made their moves and um, we kind of saw that. I I mean, I think the point is clear, though. You know, uh, the Bernie campaign is going to keep pushing like we're going to win. The Warren campaign didn't say anything because of course not. You know, they weren't going to. And they've never been our kind of progressives. You know, they have always been a bunch of nerds who love policy and love identity politics. 
And they were never going to come over to us because we're selling something more idealistic than policy. We're selling movement politics as a concept. And like you were saying, Brandon, the way politics have worked in the entire duration of all of our lifetimes has not been about movement building. The closest they got to building a movement was with Obama. And even then, only because coincidentally, Obama was able to build a movement. And even then, right after he got elected, he spun down his movement in favor of just rolling it into the DNC mailing list. The Bernie Sanders campaign isn't a movement. Obama isn't a movement. Like The Bernie movement. Sanders campaign is not a movement, but I do think it has created movements in its eddies. And I think that matters. Sure. I mean, Fight for 15 is a movement. Moral Monday is a movement. Sunrise is a movement. Sure. That's true and, and not inaccurate. Um. One of the things is, though, I mean, Kennedy, earlier you talked about how, like, if anything, prove the need for more podcasts. This is it. And really, like, I don't know. I feel like the message works. Um, it's the the platform that the message on does not work. Um, like, one of Trump's buddies is going to buy Twitter, like, later this year. So things are, like, in motion in terms of what the platform is and who's reached by the message that's given. Like, this podcast can get as big as you want it to nobody's gonna like listen to it that would have moved this election unless you are just on the bernie sanders theory of there's so many votes that are out there and they didn't come and if and if that's the theory then what politically are they waiting for because if bernie sanders and his record was not like enough to get people out there and his movement building wasn't enough to get people out there we're looking for either a different type of person or we're looking for a different cultural connection. Um, I, I basically what I'm saying is there, there needs to be a cable station or something because it's not reaching the 65 year old uh, people that came to the polls. And this is this should be noted in huge numbers. Okay, but hang on. I think you're kind of looking at this from the wrong perspective because I talk to a lot of our listeners and a lot of my friends and people like that. And they ask me all the time, how do I reach these people? How do I talk to my friend who thinks this? How do I talk to my family member who's a Biden voter? Sure. And, and I feel like the purpose of leftist media is not necessarily to convert people who don't like kind of think this way already. It is to empower the people who are looking for tools and resources to better talk to the people in their lives, to better organize in their communities, and to be better activists. Are there left podcasts that do that effectively? Uh, I mean, I'll say again, as I said before, we made the media we wanted to see. <laughs> well, I would also like to think that part of what we're doing, or at least what I'm doing when I'm here, is trying to direct people towards ways and places they can organize that have nothing to do with electoralism at all. You know, and I don't think that there are a lot of podcasts or media outlets, even in the abstract, talking about organizing outside of electoralism. And I think that's really important. And I think that's something that is almost unique to leftist uh, media right now. Just right. that push to do organizing that is not for an election. Uh, I think it's a little bit harder because for just entertainment and brand reasons that I guess we could talk about at a much later time. I mean, most people who are working class engage with politics through horse race stuff. I mean, it has, we can all be disdainful of the sports element of national politics, but that draws people in. It grabs people's attention. Um, and we've got lots of evidence of just having meetings. And when there's a endorsement, the, uh, the, the attendance spikes up. 
or when there's an electoral discussion, the attendance spikes up. I mean, that is what excites people. So part of our challenge in the long term will be to make Moral Monday style stuff as exciting as MSNBC style stuff. Well, I think that MSNBC is relying entirely on fear and outrage and that's not really what we're selling anyway. I mean, we have fear, we have outrage, but the unique angle of the left is that we have hope. And we have I a think coherent vision of the popular. future. Exactly. We have a cohesive vision of what it could be differently. And I don't think that's going to be incredibly difficult to sell to people. I don't think it's hard to sell people on the idea of security and dignity and personal empowerment. You know, I don't think it's hard to sell people on the idea of community. The trick is getting people to talk about it. And that can be difficult. That can be hard to get people to talk about these things. And like Kennedy was saying, one of the things that we try to provide is a way to talk about it for people. And I don't know, I, I agree that elections drive conversations in a meaningful way. I think that is the significance of the Sanders campaign. And that's why I say movements are springing up in his eddies because he is driving the conversation and he does have that platform, but that's just not the end of the line. And it is incumbent upon us who have been organizing either with or alongside the Sanders campaign to figure out how to talk to people about getting more people to organize beyond this campaign. Okay. Yeah. So There's something that I kind of wanted we- to get out that, I don't know, it was stewing in my head since yesterday and kind of fermenting. And this might be a message more tailored towards uh, trans people, queer people, because that's who I had in mind when I was thinking of it, because you know I am those things. And I was thinking about the news that what happened yesterday's impacts on people like me. But I think the cardinal lesson to be learned from last night is that no one is coming to save us but ourselves, that we need to do the work to lift each other up and to build spaces away from the people that would either watch us die or kill us. That the only way um, that we need to survive because we need to help the other people survive, the people that we love. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's a lot of what I'm going to be honest, prevented me from killing myself last night, is that there are people that I care about, there are people that I love, and no one is coming to save them but me. We need to be here for each other. We always do. We do. And yeah, uh, when I mean, I, to be clear, um, well, before we move on, I wanted yeah, to be ahead. clear here, like, Leia, we love you, and we very much of prefer course. you alive. Of course. I understand and empathize with suicidality and hopelessness, of course. You know, it's something I have struggled with, and, right. you know battle in my life but when you were in that dark place i hope you know that you are not alone and that's to you that's to our listeners you know if you are in a dark place right now you are not alone we are here with you kennedy you were going to say something i was just going to say in response to what leah is saying you know when samalise lopez was here she said that you know power is taken it's not given and uh i think that that's an important thing like those words are just ringing truer in my mind even than when she said them now Because it's just like, they're not, you know, nobody is going to just like hand you everything that you want politically. You have to go out there and be a part of it if you want, if you want to see the things that you desire come to reality. And, you know, I think that's something that progressives who have not yet become leftists haven't quite grokked yet, is that they are never going to give this to us. They're not going to give this to us if we go vote for Biden in the general and give them 
they want. Because at the end of the day, when they look at us, they see a bunch of idiot cows who they need to herd into alignment to behave properly, to be educated as though we're fucking savages. And the reality is we are human beings with agency, with identity, with interests, with capacity and capability, and they underestimate us. Think and about so it this way. Keep giving them what they want. They're going to continue to underestimate us. Think about it this way. Um, Obama was billed and billed himself as the change candidate, the candidate that would upend traditional systems and make things better. But the Patriot Act is still in force. Guantanamo Bay is still open. The Bush tax cuts were made permanent and on and on and on. So what makes you the think- The very cages people are using to try and scare us into voting for Joe Biden against Donald Trump were built by that administration. They were. So what makes you think that voting for the person that was chosen for Obama's ticket explicitly to appeal to racist white conservatives, do you think he's ever going to make any concessions to us? They're not. They're never going to make concessions to us. Well, and Joe Biden openly holds us in contempt. And I think it is going to be a real rude awakening for the same people who are currently crowing with delight about how young people didn't show up to vote for Bernie Sanders when young people show up even less to vote for Joe Biden. He is going to lose. He will. It's Warner, 2004 all over young people, young people did show up for Bernie Sanders. The numbers went up across the entire country from four years ago. It's just proportionately, it stayed roughly the same because the boomers came out just as fiercely for Joe Biden. Well, and they came out not even for Joe Biden, but to quash millennials and right. Zoomers and the younger members of Gen X. They were scared of losing what little privilege and comfortability they had in their life. And that they were scared of moderate social democracy, so they would rather have fascism. Absolutely, um, yes. And also, you know, God, I just lost my thought. Never mind. Go ahead, Brandon. Um, we, I mean, if you look at the numbers, even forget like zoomers i mean we're talking millennials and part of gen x we're talking 40 age 45 and under um you you would see bernie ahead just even in that 35 to 45 demographic by 10 points 20 points 8 points even in the most most conservative states this was an entirely age-driven election um yes, it was and entirely right it was entirely and, and, old. Yes, and at the risk of getting too wonky on not safe for wonks, you know, this is almost a perfect Marxist illustration of material interests and class interests guiding behavior. You know, we have a generational difference, and even more than that, we have a class difference between generations where younger people are not secure and we need change, and older people are secure and fear change because they fear they will lose their security. I mean, they have their Medicare. <laughs> They've got their social security. So they just voted to like keep y'all from getting yours. <laughs> well, I think they well, are genuinely is... afraid that because they have such a knee-jerk revulsion. Well, correction. Let me take a step back. I think they have a knee-jerk revulsion to the idea of social socialism in the abstract because of when they grew up and because of the relationship they have with socialism historically. And I think they projected that fear to other younger people and then assumed that because other younger people surely must also be afraid of socialism, we will definitely lose to Donald Trump in the general because Sanders is a socialist 
rather than the only person who can beat Trump in the general is a socialist, which is the perspective of younger people. Okay, hang on. I think it's easy to kick the boomers and whine about big S socialism. But let's be real here. A lot of these people we're talking about, oh, they have their social security. My mom's social security is not enough to live on. Uh, most people on social security don't have enough to live on. If they have a supplemental retirement, they might be doing a little better. But a lot of those supplemental retirements have been cut too in the recessions. So a lot of pe older people are very financially insecure in their own way. It's, it's different than what we're going through because a lot of them own homes and they do have like a stable income, but it's still their own kind of insecurity. When you tell those people who are barely paying all the bills, we want to raise your taxes. Yes, they have a knee jerk reaction. And honestly, like it makes sense. They're, they're struggling in their own way and they're scared to take, have anybody take another $5 out of that, you know, 500, 600, $700 a month that a lot of people in America are getting in social security, which is nothing. It's not enough to live on. It absolutely is not. And I think of my mother who has even a more secure uh, retirement because she had money in stocks. But her money is completely tied up in the stock market, which tanks every time Bernie Sanders gets mentioned. So I, I do think that these people have genuine concerns and have valid concerns about losing the security they do have. But unfortunately, that myopia is also causing them to vote for people who are going to abandon them at the first opportunity. And I don't know how to get through to them, you know, and I, I don't know what we can do to reach those people. So I, I think really we have a better chance of just trying to figure out how to get more people's votes counted. And I think that is going to require a lot of very serious, very engaged organizing in opposition I, to suppression. Voter suppression is something we definitely need to talk about. But I also just before we move on to that topic, want to say, like we talked earlier, Brandon made a, a good point about, you know, like it's not super hard to bring people around to some of these ideas. Um, and uh, I think that that's true. I think that the ideas that actually stand in our way are not convincing people that Medicare for all is a reasonably good idea, uh, convincing people that doing something about climate change is a reasonably good idea, convincing people that income inequality is bad. That's not really like the hurdles that we're looking at right now. It's more of like kind of theory um, convincing people to stop worrying about quote unquote political capital, convincing people to like understand that our economic system is a lot more free and flexible than it's presented most of the time. You know, like it's, it's not really the basics of do our ideas sound good. It's getting pe these people to believe that they're achievable. If you could convince all of these older people that like, that little bit of tax money was going to pay for all this stuff and it was all really going to work out, then most of them eventually would probably support Bernie. Uh, my grandma ended up coming around and becoming a Bernie supporter. And I know other people in her age bracket did as well because they realized the benefits. But you have to get through that blockade between those benefits and reality and like what they see as like the obstacles. What you're saying here is we need to go back to Facebook. <laughs> oh God, I hate to say it, but yes, actually. Uh, the last week uh, I was feeling really, really blackpilled, just absolutely like hopeless and very doom and gloom. And one of the things that turned it around for me was one of my mom's friends who is a boomer got on Facebook and 
said a bunch of dumb boomer shit about Bernie Sanders on one of my posts. And then a lot of my friends came in and very patiently, very calmly explained it every step of the way. And by the end of it, she said, you know what? He's got my vote. And really, I think that's true. As funny as it is to say, I think we need to start going back to these places that we left because there were annoying people there and trying to engage with them. And we need to be doing that as part of a larger systemic organization of working people across class barriers, race barriers, gender barriers, pick an identity barrier, and then tear it the fuck down and build a movement with it, you know? Be clear, I will not be doing that, but hopefully you guys can take these episodes and take them back to Facebook and post them. Yes, and speaking of people who are on Facebook, speaking of people who are on Facebook uh, with me and who also just signed on to the pod. We have Lau. Hey, everyone. Hello, Lau. Welcome. You're late, but still welcomed. Thank you. I just um, wanted to get it. One minute minute because I'm a Zoomer, I'm constitutionally barred from being on Facebook. It's the law. Uh, that was a really rough thing the Trump administration passed. They decided, you yeah. out, out, out. We're building a wall around Facebook. Deporting them. Yeah, it's rough. Um, When the LGBT community sends people to Facebook, they don't send their best people. They don't send their best. They don't send their brightest. (laughs) They send nasty Marxists. They're sending Marxists. (laughs) No. What could we start doing? We could start doing the, like, Che Guevara caps, like how they did the pussy hats. (laughs) Just do Che Guevara hats. No, no, no. You you do the beard. You you do one of those stupid fucking beard hats. We already do the beard. We're leftists. (laughs) Have you seen a leftist man? They all have the beard. I thought wearing a Che Guevara hat was just, like, helping to brand Obey now or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think in in order to, because all of the popular revolutionaries have been co-opted and commercialized, so we got to get really granular, and we gotta we we gotta find people that no one has ever heard of and slap their faces on on our t-shirts. Like you know, I don't think Antoine Panokek. Oh no. <laughs> I'm I'm printing a whole line of Panokek t-shirts. I'm I'll just give it. another obligatory shout out to Sankara. But then also, uh, is it time that we just be all like alien dolphin communists? Is it is it that time now? <laughs> Are we starting a death cult? I mean, that did work for Republicans. Mm-hmm. We just need to... They literally just are a death cult now. Oh, yeah. Did, did you hear that... Um... In order to, like, make fun of the fake news coronavirus epidemic, um, Trump voters are intentionally shaking each other's hands a lot and touching their faces. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to own the league. If coronavirus coronavirus takes out a shitload of old Republicans, I will start believing in God and Lau will get his wishes. Yeah, he'll get my 20 bucks finally. Yeah. You know, Lau, you got... Make your God make it happen. Hey, coronavirus was sent for a reason, right? Right. I mean, I will actually believe. Like, if coronavirus just tears through the elderly and sways the upcoming primary such that Bernie Sanders actually wins, I will absolutely believe in God. Have you have you seen oh. the uh, the age distribution of uh, deaths? I have. It's wonderful. Like literally, yeah, it's like, like exclusively the elderly. Right. That's like. And it, typically, typically, diseases hit the very young too, but the very young aren't getting it. Yeah, if there's any sign from God that this is, you know, the boomer's time. Like you, 
if if they can say that AIDS was was God's punishment for gay people, then we can say that coronavirus was God's punishment for boomers. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so to that box writer that was listening for ways to cancel us, I'd just like to say hi, Vox, once again. Sometimes <laughs> we make it hard. Sometimes we just give it to you. It's fine. No, I mean, but... think about it. You just had to listen to this one episode and everything you needed was we talked about uh, being socialists. We talked about killing boomers. We uh -huh. were very, very sacrilegious, as usual. Yeah. I think we yeah. just got to talk about, like, doing butt stuff or something and we'll have you know the hat trick right, so here's how bernie can win by all of us eating more ass <laughs> right we need to eat some boomer ass that's how we're we gonna get those oh god so tying it all together um we can talk about how cancel culture you know it, it's there's this interesting um I guess dynamic between like cancel culture and like social media platforms because no one's on Facebook anymore except for like boomers, which is already interesting to me because like Zoomer, I don't, I don't know, like uh, Leia, I was wondering like, hey. you know, Zoomers and pretty much like the younger cohorts of millennials aren't on Facebook anymore. And no, most people who are on Facebook are like Gen Xers and Boomers, which happen to be the people who've, who are voting for Biden right now. 83% um, of people 18 to, to 24 voted for Bernie and 73% of people over 65 have voted for Biden, right? So this question about going back to Facebook kind of, um, I guess it I guess it highlights this generational divide that um, this this line that we're struggling to break right yeah it's an age war just as much as a class war like we said earlier plus you're a person that, that's still on facebook for some reason so are we missing anything from facebook culture that you, you know honestly know? yeah you are facebook is a lot funnier than twitter for starters um and there are some really incredible groups on facebook i'm going to give a shout out to one that i'm in that actually a lot of leftist podcasters are in too uh, it's called Bottom Text, and there's some incredibly good discourse happening there. You know, broadly, left book is a cesspool, and Facebook is filled with old people. But it has a lot of strengths as a platform, and I don't know. Like, I still enjoy the community that I have there, but I'm old, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's a way, like, slower paced than Twitter, so you can have, like, actual conversations with boomers and flame them if you want. <laughs> but, um... Let me let me talk about some. Yeah, the flaming does still happen. Yeah, which is like um, so right now, like there's there, there's like a um, I guess a constellation of like leftist groups, and so the the most recent like praxis quote unquote that we did was um, invading the Bloomberg for president uh, Facebook group and just trolling the shit out of boomers and getting them to uh, switch to to Bernie Sanders and what we would do is we would get pictures of Bloomberg and shrink his face just like just a tiny bit and then put like fake quotes around and just distribute them so that boomers would share them with their friends. So what you're saying is we need to start a new posting front on Facebook. Yeah, there there should definitely be like a leftist coalition of like shit posters, flamers, um but also like People who are genuinely in genuinely interested in like um, uh, taking the time to talk to boomers and to persuade them into into 
engaging in leftist politics. Uh, it's hard to get happened. people to talk with boomers for free. Those are some infuriating conversations, bro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I think that's why you have to have a lot of people who are willing to do it because the really have... successful conversations happen when you have a volley of five or six different people who each answer like two times. Right. It's just they have uh, just the perfect combination of being extremely uh, abusive and aggressive, but also extremely fragile. They cannot take any pushback of any kind that challenges their worldview. Um, they just completely collapse the first minute that you like, or like maybe you don't know what you're talking about about this issue. They just lose their I shit. I mean, yeah. Boomers are the most constitutionally underdeveloped generation in human history. Most coddled, <laughs> the most arrogant, like they're just like elderly. Yeah, they're very <laughs> difficult people. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they, I mean, they're so difficult that our generation basically grew up to be an entire generation of armchair therapists because of how difficult they are. So, yeah. Yeah, basically. I, I get just it. Wanna, I just want to highlight one of my last interactions before I stopped doing Facebook with a boomer. Uh, the boomer was going off on, like, how young people are, quote-unquote, into censorship because of stuff like people trying not to have... Uh, a certain right-wing grifter speak at their campus, if any of y'all remember some protests that got a little rowdy about things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that boomer blocked me for disagreeing with them. Yeah. So they were concerned about censorship, and so they blocked me. <laughs> like, uh, this is, this is the logic of these people, is all young people want censorship, but the minute a young person speaks up and says something that they don't want to hear, they just immediately censored me. So, you know, it's just like, that's how, yes, like they are so fragile. I personally, I can't deal with that shit hardly anymore. It's just too infuriating. Like that, that level of fragility is just mind blowing to me. I, I'm sorry, boomers, but y'all gave us a world that had to make us harden up a lot fucking more than that. Like, Jesus. they really did. They have, we come in asking for basic human rights and they mock us and say that we're snowflakes. But dear God, we have dealt with more bullshit than all of them combined. Just, it's infuriating to see these people who have hardened us to the point where, like, I think really the majority of us, someone could say to our face that we should die and we would feel nothing, you know? And that's just the background noise of being alive as a young person in this country, on this planet, in this day. Yeah. And these people, if you so much as disagree with them too vehemently, have a meltdown because they are in these perfectly cushioned little worlds. If you fucking, if you give them too many fries in their McDonald's order, they'll scream at you until you get fired. Absolutely. So there is, you know, to use a two coke, I guess, you know, there's so much worse than we've ever been when it comes to fragility and it's exhausting. But I think whatever the case may be, we still have to figure out how to try and start peeling some of them away. You know, I, I don't know if we can beat the voter suppression that's happening the way that it's happening. I'm not sure we can, but I let's talk about that because I think that we can make more progress on voter suppression than on convincing these boomers to change their minds faster than they're going to die, to be honest. Like, I mean, I think you're right, <laughs> but I also don't think that it's a zero sum game like that. Like we can do both. Oh, absolutely. But I but I want to get into voter suppression now because we've been dancing around it for a while. And I really think that we could make huge strides in this area and that honestly, we need to like. 
when people talk about shit that's going on this cycle, and for instance, they talk about not enough young people getting out to vote. Young people would get out to vote if, first of all, they had a polling station to go to. That's been a huge issue in 2020. If, second of all, maybe we had something like a federal holiday for voting, because most young people I know are too fucking busy for anything else in their lives. You know, if you're a single mother working two jobs and you're supposed to vote today and the polling station is two hours away, you're not going. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. So... I think we could be making huge strides when people talk about how do we get these unrepresented voters out is you give them the opportunity to fucking vote. But how do we do that? How do we pressure the DNC into oh, actually would, doing their fucking jobs? This is giving you know? them their ideal outcome right now. So, um, well, I, I think if we're going to do this, the way that we have to do it is we have to make them lose. You know, they have to absolutely eat pavement in November. I mean, they have to regret everything. They ate pavement 2016 and look what they're doing now. They haven't learned anything. So here's the thing. I think like Um, I I said this last night, I I, I don't think these people are capable of learning because they should have learned in 1968. They should have learned in 1980 and 84 and 88 and 2000, 2004, 2016. They haven't. Let me... Here's the thing about the the voter suppression, though, is that the federal level DNC is probably not really imminently fixable, but your state level party may be. Now, if you live in a state like New York or California, I'm sorry to say that you have a very difficult uphill battle to make changes to like get your state party to unfuck itself. But if you live in like any number of states where the Democratic Party is a little bit less of a monolith in your state, there's a good chance that the people making the decisions about your primary is like 12 people, 20 people, 40 people, a small enough number that you and your cohorts could get in on this organizing and change the way that it works. Just that simple. I agree with you on that. And also I remembered what I was going to say, which is the reason the DNC needs to absolutely eat pavement, hopefully worse in 20 than 16, is because every time they fail so miserably, there is a mass exodus. And those people who are leaving, we can catch them. And I think if we are prepared, like you're saying, Kennedy, to direct these people into non-electoral ways of organizing and things that make immediate change in the world, we can make use of that exodus and make use of them eating pavement in a way that we have not been doing before the last couple of election cycles. You know why that's not as good a strategy as y'all think it is? There's a census this year. Um, and after this election, there's going to be redistricting. Um, we just spent like 10 years dealing with the gerrymandering from 2010. So deciding that, well, we're going to have a mass exodus and let Republicans do redistricting for the next 10 years, and we will just organize outside of electoralism is, I just think, comical. I don't know where, I don't know where that strategy goes. Well, I don't I, know if I have a better answer, but I... I have an answer for that. Like, yes, redistricting is a thing, but the people who are going to control the redistricting are elected officials, and those are people who are at state and local level. So, of course, you go for state and local. Of course you do. I do have a call. Also, get a job in the census. All you leftists, get a job working for the census and fuck those numbers right up. (laughs) (laughs) Do it like the Bloomberg campaign. I do. Uh, But like that's that's part of the answer, right? Is that we're already going to be pushing for down ballot. You should be pushing for down ballot anyway. You just don't want to you want them to eat shit real hard 
at the presidential level, but we still want to win the lower offices, obviously. And then beyond that, you know, pausing to remember what the fuck you said, let my brain catch up, ADD moment. Um, So maybe I can make a pitch, a comical pitch. Sure. Hail Mary pitch on Facebook. Um, I have witnessed a boomer learning new tricks. Me too, firsthand. And it's memeing. Now, you might not believe me, but none of you are on Facebook, so haha. Um, but I do have uh, a project in the works with a bunch of other um, OG Orb Gang members. Um, I don't know if it's going to work, but it's worth a shot. It's called the Boomer Millennial Meme Reconciliation Project. And basically, we're going to teach boomers how to meme. Now, That's... hopefully, hopefully that'll uh, that'll uh, strengthen some kind of cultural divide between millennials and boomers and internet culture in general but um but you know i i think that's maybe it's a rather indirect way of approaching boomers um but maybe my work i don't know i just know that for the most part millennials zoomers and younger people kind of have a stronghold on like internet humor culture and i'm wondering if that's one avenue of trying to connect with boomers in a more genuine way like but, sharing laughter. Yeah. That makes sense. And Brandon, the other half of what I was going to say to what you were saying earlier, districts don't mean shit. Districts don't mean a fucking thing outside of the electoral process anyway. Like that is worrying about whether we're going to continue winning elections when we're already losing elections. I don't care. All right. Anyway, um, sharing laughter is great. Uh, sharing coronavirus is also a viable strategy. <laughs> 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 if you have coronavirus, go to Old Country Buffet and sneeze on the napkins. Oh, we need our like. Buffet. I mean, we look, need our millennial typhoid Mary. Biological warfare is not the answer. On a serious note, <laughs> <laughs> this is a joke. Please don't take that seriously. Yeah, pl- a, please. I'm if you get coronavirus, out. if we find out you did this, we will openly talk shit about you on air don't do this oh no <laughs> i was about to weaponize my ethnicity you know what i, I did mean? <laughs> we disavow yes weaponize identity politics not the coronavirus <laughs> i'm about to i'm about to cough in a bunch of uh buses and just be like vote biden <laughs> you know that does occur to me we really we maybe our mistake was that we worked on the joe biden is racist angle and trying to get ready to associate him with black and brown people, which apparently is much more motivated states. White people love using black people for co- political cover. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah anyway, that was I don't my know. Joke of the day. I don't know what to say. This has been a, this, this has, has been, been a messy fucking episode. It, I, I, I think, you know, we need, we need a bit of dumb, shitty laughter in times like these. We had our sadness and we will continue to have our sadness, but Maybe we can laugh about biological warfare in the meantime. I think that catharsis is an important part of surviving these times and surviving the world we were born into. And, you know, the alternative here is what? We sit around and be sad for an hour? I don't want to do that. I don't want to make our listeners do that. We're Of course we're going to be sad. And furthermore, if you really believe in what Bernie wants, then what he would want is for everyone to keep working on this stuff. You know, like, yeah, he, he literally, what did he do in 2016? 
he didn't just be like, well, I lost. He kept doing stuff. He worked on getting other people elected. He worked yeah. on his plans for 2020. You know, you just can't give up uh, if you really want this stuff to happen. Otherwise, it's like, okay, so yeah, shit sucks right now. Do you want it to suck the same amount in 10 years? Like, I would like things to maybe improve. That's I would me. too. I absolutely would too. And, um, you know, I wrote this out. I did like a little essay that I posted as a thread but i want to kind of repeat some of it here you know we know the dnc used its infrastructure to suppress our votes and to silence us and we know that they cheated to get this win but there's more of us than there are of them and we are persistent and we are determined and we are going to build our own apparatuses to disseminate our ideas, to make things happen. We will build our own infrastructure. We will build our own communities. We will take care of our sick and house our houseless and feed our hungry. And we will do it with or without their support. We don't need them. We have never needed them and we will never need them. And now is not the time to give up. It is the time to push harder and to push differently. No one will come to save us but ourselves. We are our own saviors, yeah. And we will not bow and we will not scrape. And we will not beg. And we will not vote for Joe Biden. But we will win. And we are not safe for wonks. I'm Rachel Khan at ReachRachelKhan on Twitter. Forever Leia Rose. I'm Lau. If you're looking for a project to join that involves engaging with boomers, please look at the uh, Boomer Millennial Meme Reconciliation Project on Facebook. Name is too long and from a person who is named Brandon Buchanan. I know about names that are a little bit too long. Uh, <laughs> I am at Brandon Buchanan on Twitter. I'm Kennedy Cooper at Kennedy T. Cooper on Twitter. And if you don't follow the show, the show is at NSF Wonks on Twitter. You should definitely follow us there. We post lots of funny, weird, stupid stuff. Uh, and uh, also, if you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash not safe. We have an entire archive of Patreon-exclusive episodes and weird content there. And also, when you support us on Patreon, it really helps us to be able to do what we do now and to be able to expand it, do more journalism, do interesting stuff. We have so many ideas that we would like to be able to accomplish. And right now, one of the biggest obstacles to that is money because we live in a capitalist society. So if you're able to go over there and check it out, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we have been not safe for wonks and we'll see you next time. Stay safe. We love you.